I'm Trudy Kerr and welcome to The Interviewer. In this series, I will be talking to artists, campaigners, men and women of influence, musicians, performers and anyone who shapes the fabric of our society. Today, I'm joined by Nathan Veruja, entrepreneur, business coach, CEO, author, record-breaking athlete, TEDx speaker, Vistage owner, NED, philanthropist, husband and father, as his LinkedIn profile reads. First up, Nathan, so good to see you. How are you? I'm good, I'm good. Nice to see you too. Absolutely. It's been a while. Well, you know, we've just come out of the Christmas period. How was Christmas and New Year for you? Uh, tame, um, but that's how I like it, I guess. Uh, you know, it was a family affair with close close people, some friends. Um, so yeah, it was nice, actually. Was it different this year? Because, of course, we, we're in the middle of a pandemic. Was it different this year for you? Or is it you, are you normally, you know, enjoying a quiet Christmas? No, typically I enjoy a quiet Christmas. I think we just reduced the numbers of people we'd normally meet at once. So we probably had more get-togethers, but with smaller numbers. With smaller ones. Fantastic. We're going to come to that whole pandemic thing and how that's affected you um, in a few minutes. But first of all, April uh, 2019, you were appointed as Shireburn's CEO. September last year, you stepped down from that role to the non-executive director while still involved in Vistage Malta which is an advisory company to business leaders and CEOs. So you step down from the, from the main role of CEO. What, what's keeping you busy right now, Nathan? What are you up to right now that, that you do day to day? Well, I, I own a number of businesses um, that I'm heavily involved in. I, I like to be involved in, in, uh, in, in the work I do, um, supporting the team, uh, although there are leaders running those businesses. Um, most of my time is spent working with uh, business leaders and CEOs who uh, aspire to grow or want to change or need to pivot because of economy and situation. And so my role primarily at the moment is of a business coach. So I work with people I uh think i can help from my experience uh, as a leader uh, as running businesses but also as someone who perhaps has tried and failed a few times and have learned from those experiences so yeah young and old um ceos and and business owners that uh, have a, an open mind and want to try new things and i work with those people you know, you know on, a, on a weekly basis or a monthly basis according well just listening to you say that of course i said we'll come back to this whole thing about the pandemic in 2020 but listening to you say that, lots of businesses have been taken into uncharted territory. And I should imagine for a lot of people who are heading up businesses right now, these are really scary times. So as your role as a coach, as advising, has that changed or is it the same message, even though we're in the middle of a pandemic? There are some things that uh, remain true, which is the likes of how you treat people, how you build culture, how you create a performance mindset. Um, but I think the thing that has changed is that the, the importance of these things is now much truer. So whereas before there was a bit of, you know, fat to be trimmed and it was okay to spend a little bit extra or, uh, you know, have an extra member of staff or someone who's sort of performing but not enough, but it's okay. Nowadays, you can't afford to do that. So it's all about being disciplined, um, having strategy, being clear about execution and making sure your tactics match the ultimate vision or goal that you've set yourself. Uh, and, and the trick is how to get your people with you who might be worried about their jobs and, and worried about their role within this new way of doing business and how they're going to cope with the change. That's really fascinating. I mean, I would never even thought of that, that of course, 
businesses just by very nature right now have to streamline they have to be as efficient as they can um what does that look like practically uh you know you mentioned uh, about encouraging companies to be streamlined and, and checking to see whether all of their staff are, are you know performing as they should be is it does that is it an, i'm going to be very 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 basic here but is it because of the pandemic is an excuse to just get rid of somebody who just isn't quite up to the job I think many people have used that excuse um, and arguably they should have done that before the pandemic. Um, if people are not up to scratch or, or perhaps are not pulling their weight, these are decisions that business leaders need to take. But I think also um, what has changed is the need for people to be more autonomous. So the type of employee you need today is someone who's going to carry uh, the responsibility of helping you come out of this um, intact. Whereas perhaps before you might have employees who are dependent on decision making coming from up top or liked it that way. Um, today you can't do that. It's too slow. So for companies to survive and, and be successful today, they need to be agile. They need to be sharp. Um, they need to pivot quickly. And you need a particular type of person to work with you uh, to do that. And it, again, it, it depends on the size of your business. If you're a small business, then then that's fine for everybody to sort of be in of that mindset that change is a good thing. If you're a big company, then at least your leadership team needs to be of that mindset. Well, we mentioned, uh, you know, the pandemic, we talked about it, of course, because it's very key at the, 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 this moment in time. And I'm going to ask you one last question before we move on uh, to talk about some other very exciting areas. Um, but, you know, the pandemic has seen a migration for a lot of businesses going from offline onto online, uh, as you said, streamlining and changing the way they perform. Now, there's no better person to ask than yourself. Do you see what we've adopted over the pandemic remaining? Do you see this online um, migration being something that will go on forever? A lot of people are now working from home, which must also be quite frightening if you are a business leader because you don't get to walk into the office and say hey what are you doing mm. is how much of this is going to stay with us what is post-pandemic world going to look like well I, i'm no predictor of the future but i can see that the uh, shift in in mindset has become now ingrained after eight months of this uh, way of doing things so i, I suspect that this uh, hybrid of half working from home half going to the office uh, will uh, will res will continue even after the the vaccine and, and people sort of go back to uh, a relative normality so i think that this uh, digital transformation that that was fast tracked because of the pandemic simply um, just moved things a few years in advance because as the way that millennials work uh, the way that uh, businesses are transforming and being more global and being more online it was inevitable that we were going to be in the situation five years from now anyway so all this pandemic did was accelerate it now how do businesses cope with this change so rapidly because culture takes much longer than you know flipping a switch uh, and going digital uh, how, how will you talked about you know the fear of leaders uh, not knowing what their staff are doing well that's a problem of the leader uh, that's their mindset that needs to shift we need to be more trusting of our people and if we don't trust our people then we need to have good performance management uh, systems in place to be able to track what people are doing so we measure them on their outputs rather than just sitting and warming a seat in the office it's a massive change in a very short period of time. As you said, pandemic accelerated everything and made what might have been a natural process happen very, very quickly. On a personal note, Nathan Fruger, do you are you a subscriber of the digital world? Do you like the way do you like that personal touch, that that talking to someone? Or do you are you more of the person that's like, yes, let's embrace digital? I, I don't think they are antithesis of each other 
Um, I think that for efficiency's sake, digital is something I've, I, I mean, I run my businesses from my phone well before the pandemic. So for me, it's normal to transact uh, on a digital platform on my phone, um, anything to sign documents, to invoice, to, to do whatever, and to obviously communicate with my teams. Um, so I've been doing that for years now. Um, however, the human interaction is then focused on what it's all about. The human interaction is about relationships. So if I have 40 hours in a week, if my average working week, for example, I'd want to spend the time I have with people building relationships, not wasting it in meetings that go nowhere uh, and, and have those communication tools like Zoom, etc., cetera, um, uh, to do sort of the, the, the tactical stuff. Mm. So I, I can separate the digital stuff being for the productivity, uh, which is important, and the human interaction as the relationship side of things, which for me is extremely important in business. In fact, it's probably the most important thing in business, whether it's meeting a customer face-to-face -face so they really get to know who you are, uh, or coaching a CEO, or working with one of my employees on a, on a difficult situation or a problem that we need to overcome. Um, you know, These are opportunities for us to get together as human beings and interact. I think a lot of people having spoken to a lot of people over the last couple of months and a lot of people saying, well, you know, I love the digital age. I love, you know, getting online and being able to do everything. But but being able to talk to someone, being able to interact with someone, being able to go to a concert or a, the theater, there's no replacement for that. There just is no replacement. We're human beings and we are made to interact with each other. So we're going to change topic completely um, and we're going to come to, to another aspect of you as Nathan Fruger. You're also an athlete. Now, I don't know if you know this, but I can remember interviewing you um, just after your 27 marathons in 27 countries in 27 days. And I remember, and this had so such a profound effect on me, you said that uh, your initial drive to take up athletics at an early age was because you were challenged by asthma. And I, at the time, uh, had, had just suffered from an accident and I was physically challenged at the time. You went on from there uh, to, uh, to, to go to the Olympics um, and then to complete what most people would consider an impossible challenge. 27 marathons in 27 days in 27 countries is insane. But your story, in fact, became a huge encouragement to me personally and enabled me to face up to my own physical challenge and then go on and run marathons and three marathons back to back and things like this that I could never, ever, ever have seen myself doing. So for me, that's a, the personal story affected me very, very much. Um, but these amazing achievements, and, and I know that this references uh, the book in just a second, but these amazing, amazing achievements that you have met, do you find that people find them just a little bit too amazing? Or do people are like me, are just inspired and say, wow, okay, I need to get off my backside and do something? Hmm. I mean, the purpose of me talking about them it is obviously to pass a positive message, but each to each their own you know some some people will uh, perhaps see these as um, um, an ego stroking exercise or um, something that's completely out of their league and, and a different planet and that's fine um, you know everybody has different motivators some people would find motivation in the arts or or in uh, other forms of sport or exercise team sport for example um, so you know, I, I really, for me, it's, it's, it's storytelling around my experiences and my learning around what it takes to go out of your comfort zone uh, and explore that space. 
and 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 bring back that learning and apply it in life and i i do i do it in in life and i do it in business um and i do it when i coach there's always going to be references about uh you know setting a goal for example to to be able to accomplish something that you've dreamt of and and that is i suppose what also drives human society we think about you know the stories i love reading and books i love reading are around explorers that discovered you know the bering straits when they had no equipment whatsoever and they were walking you know in cloth Incredible. shoes through snow and you know for me this is this is human endurance at its best uh, so you know running a marathon is great and running you know some of the stuff i've done is great but actually when you think about it it fades into the insignificant compared to what people endured uh, simply to be able to discover you know new territories or new new places to go well that's you being being very very humble because because what you have achieved physically is is incredible is there something inside an individual that separates them from somebody who might say well you know that's just a little bit too hard for me to, to dream that big what drives you to do that for me it's curiosity straight and plain i, I want to know what it would feel like to be in a place I've never been from a physical and mental perspective. And and this is why my, my challenges vary so much. You know, I'll go from running across a desert to, you know, running on a snowy mountaintop um, because I want to know what the difference is and I want to know how it feels. I want to know how it feels to be sleep deprived um, running for 28 hours. Uh, you know, these are the things that for me are are exploration in my way i talked about the explorers previously for me the exploration is internal it's in my head uh, and so this is why i'm curious around how far i can push myself so does that mean that the, that whether it be curiosity or whatever drives an individual to do something extraordinary is that in everybody is it a case of unpacking that and discovering that or is it just that for some people it doesn't exist no i think i firmly believe it's there for for everyone and i think that it's a decision ultimately that allows you to decide to explore what that is to unravel it to see where you can go to see what your potential is and sometimes you don't even know you have that potential it takes that conversation that we had uh, many years ago or you reading a book or watching a movie or or just being inspired for some by someone else's story to actually say i wonder what i could do or, or how i could how far i could push myself and it's it's not sports it's it's just you know human nature as it as it develops the growth mindset of how far can i go whether you started a business or, or growing a business or jumping out of unemployment and saying can i do this on my own and can i start my own thing these are all the same it's just the ability to overcome the self-limiting belief which is telling you careful because you're going to fail and you're going to look silly or you're going to be embarrassed or you're going to lose money or you lose your friends or or whatever it is that's dear to you that you're going to lose out of mm. um, that holds you back ultimately and putting it very plainly it's just where you find your balls from it's how you overcome <laughs> <laughs> it's how you overcome the most r rational uh, often but but most deepest powerful emotion that we have which is fear and fear is there to keep us safe it's there you know the whole darwin um, message of you know survival of the fittest um the ones that survive are the ones that uh, overcome that that fear because otherwise you just stay in your shell and don't move and get overtaken or or get eaten up well of course one of the reasons i wanted to to grab you and have this podcast with you right now 
is because the, you just have published an amazing book based on your experiences. We're going to come to this in one second. But before we do that, I do have one more question relating to your huge achievements. Um, you also attempted a 260-kilometer run across Corsica with the 15-kilometer uh, swim across the channel between Corsica and Sardinia, and then the cycle ride of 445 kilometers across Sardinia. Now, I remember following this avidly. Um, it's a massive, massive undertaking. And at one point, and I think towards the very end, you you realize that, that this was not going to happen, that, that you were putting yourself out into a position where you had to say no and to stop. Now, I'm of the, the understanding that our valley deep challenges are as important as our mountain high accomplishments in taking us forward. And is that what you believe about, you know, about that particular experience? Is, was that as important as achieving something as well? Um. Absolutely. I think, you know, in the book as well, I talk about failure as something that is an opportunity to, to take from um, as, a, as a learning uh, opportunity. Because if, if you live in a situation where everything works then and you never make mistakes and you never fail. Wouldn't that be lovely? Yeah, then, then well, <laughs> I think not. I think what will happen is that you, you will just become... Um, passive you know you lose your drive and your energy because what's the challenge if if you know you're going to win and uh, and so the failure is important for us to build that drive and the example you gave earlier uh, you know it was a, a situation where about you know halfway through I, I had to stop because I was I was clinically unwell I, I was hospitalized with kidney failure but um, but as soon as the doctor said I could get out of hospital I continued and I finished um, much to the dismay of, you know, the medical uh, support team, and and I, this was simply recalibrating my my expectation from saying, okay, instead of finishing it non-stop in X time, I'm just going to get to the finish line, and I, and I did, and I'm I feel That's accomplished in fantastic. the sense that I got to the finish line, but I did have to change the goalpost, and and so this is you know we define typically goals in the wrong possible way because we define goals based on too many unknowns. You know, who would have thought uh, setting their budgets for 2020 uh, in 2019 that they were going to miss them by a mile? Uh, you know, setting goals when you have so much unknown is, is doesn't make sense. And, and in fact, you know, I talk about not setting goals in the book. I talk about live to your best every single possible day and try and make tomorrow better than today, irrespective of what the circumstances are. And that way you're con constantly adapting and never fearing the missed goal or never fearing the... The, the, the lofty idea that is the goal that's going to make you who you are. There are many other things that you can live by to feel successful and, and be fulfilled. And so, you know, setting a goal is fine, but not achieving it as long as you learn from the journey is absolutely fine, if not better. But what you just said back there um, was absolutely lovely, that you, you changed the goal of that physical endurance event. Um, and you still achieved the goal but just in a different way you adapted and therefore you didn't fail and i think we as a society we as a human race are always frightened of failure failure is what defines us if we let it um you know not being and i think it's one of the reasons and correct me if i'm wrong but i think it's one of the reasons that a lot of people don't even start mm. is because of their fear of failure and you what you've just said there is so beautiful is that it's not a failure it's actually just moving the goalpost because the situation changed. 
It's fantastic. Well, you mentioned the book. Let's talk about it. You've taken your experiences uh, and written a book called A Million Steps, which takes the achievements of your athletics endeavours and applies them to good business practice and, of course, all the business practice that you've accumulated all over the years. And it's and also in, in the write-up for the book, it says, you ask a series of fundamental questions you need to ask before getting out of your comfort zone. I have so many questions about this book. I'm extremely excited. Um, but first of all, let's find out the practical thing about writing a book. Because I have the book in front of me, and it's not five pages. <laughs> There's quite a bit to the book. Did, did you ever, first of all, did you ever see yourself writing a book? I think I, I aspired to um, in the past. I, I blog a lot. Uh, and therefore, for me, it made sense to pull those blogs into uh, some sort of structure uh, and find a way to create a thread uh, through them to make sense. And this is where Glenn Kalea um, sort of came into play because he's obviously got a little ex experience and insight into how to do that. And he's helped me um, a lot to be able to make this book work. And essentially what we did is we took a number of concepts and ideas that I've written about in, in various blogs uh, and pulled them into a a methodology, as it were, we talk about the fire, lighting the fire, you know, how can you do this systematically? And so the book is very pragmatic. It, it doesn't tell you what you should do, but it tells you how I've done stuff. And, and perhaps this insight might be useful to you if you want to change the way you're doing things, uh, including and starting from uh, understanding what your limitations are and what's holding you back, your self-limiting beliefs. And this is the point about you know, really understand, asking the right questions before you say, oh, I want to I want to do something I've never done before or I want to I want to take a risk. Um, it's not just flippant to say I'm going to go and, you know, run a marathon or, or I'm going to go and start a business. And a lot of people fail in doing both of those because they don't ask the right questions before they start. Well, I do believe um, maybe not in Malta, but certainly in my homeland, 70% uh, of businesses fail in the first first two years just because people are not understanding what they're getting themselves into and maybe that sense of failure and their expectations are misaligned. But going back to writing a book, how long did this process take for you? Well, if you had to condense it, probably a number of months, but it, it actually took three years because um, we were collecting these insights and information as life progressed. Uh, obviously, with fits and starts with other stuff coming into play and keeping me busy. Um, so I think, you know, on one hand, I said I sh should have done it quicker or, or could have done it faster. But but actually, I think it has more value because it's been stretched out because even my own opinion has changed about things. Um, so hopefully there's, there's some more maturity uh, in the content uh, because of my life experiences coming into play over this time. So the book has been in process for three years. I saw your post on, on Facebook where you, you saw it on the shelf in the bookshop and you, you sounded pleased as punch. What, was it, I mean, it, was there a lot of work going into this? Was it a real labor of love and then you saw it on the shelf and you're like, bah! Um, I don't think, I mean, like I said, a lot of the concepts had already been written. Um, so it was really about fleshing them out and giving them structure and making it readable. So the book, the book flows. Uh, no, it was obviously great to see it on, on the shelves and, and agenda really were open and helpful with, with me getting there and, and Portland's Press did a wonderful job in printing it and brand wagon with the, with the cover. So it's it's it all came together and and it's it's uh, it's a bit like crossing a finish line you you've put all the work in all the preparation and you finally get there and then you can sort of breathe a sigh of relief and go okay it's done 
Honest question though, how many times have you walked into a gender just to sneak a quick peek at it on the shelf? No, I, I haven't actually. Um, <gasps> I, though, uh, obviously, I was shopping in in the point the other day, and Dee went into to have a look and see if it was still on the shelves. Um, but it was good because actually we did sell out um, in a few shops, and and obviously readers said I I tried to buy it. Um, and I couldn't find it. So that allowed me to make sure that it was stocked up again quite That's quickly. That's fantastic. <laughs> fantastic. That's what you want to hear. Well, first of all, who is the book for? Is it for anybody? Yes, absolutely. And, and I think although it will be on the business uh, shelf, it, it, it's, it could sort of portray itself as a self-help to a certain extent as well from the feedback I'm getting from people reading it, that it's been helpful to them to understand, you know, how to set their goals and how to, you know, pivot and how to do things differently on a personal level but I'm a firm believer that actually you know what good leaders um, executives high flyers entrepreneurs are people and so when I talk about upping your game how you apply that level in in any aspect of your life is going to be hopefully useful so yes it applies to to everyone who who I think has a growth mindset who is curious now I also liked in the write-up that it says it's the it's an it's a non-preachy it's you. It's basically your thoughts. It's your story, but from your point of view, you're not telling people how to do it. You're telling people how you did it, exactly, and inspiring people through your story. Um, do you think that that everybody needs? I mean, it's a question I'm always asking myself. Is it something for everybody? Should everyone challenge themselves to be the best that they can be, or should we just accept that there are a certain amount of population that just you know are happy as they are? Well, I think it it would be s- silly or a waste if if people didn't use that potential especially if they can use that potential to be helpful to other people so if you have a skill that that can be useful that can be helpful to society then it's a pity if it's wasted now if it's your own personal skill for your own personal gratification and you don't want to tap into it and you're happy with the way you are absolutely fine you know the idea is that you know each person chooses their own meaning in life and 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 follows that pursuit and if you're happy doing what you're doing, uh, you know, absolutely fine. But I would question the value one can bring to society by upping their game. And, and if if they can do that, then then it's a waste for everybody else if, if, if we can't tap into that. We touched on it a minute ago. I'm going to ask you this again. What stops people from achieving their full potential? What what is is it the fear of failure? Is it the fear of, of of what it's going to cost them? What you know, whether it be business, whether it be sports, whether it be singing career or whatever. What what do you think? What what do you think stops from people from achieving what you have been able to achieve? I think there are a number of variables. I think the fundamental one is fear, and it could be fear of failure, fear of embarrassment, fear of some sort of loss. The second is effort, um, not having the the drive or not wanting to put in the effort in order to be able to achieve what it is that they want to achieve. Um, so sort of the lazy, the lazy approach. The third, I think, is lack of knowledge, um, which means they don't know how. People may be driven, they may be motivated, they may overcome the fear, but they don't have the knowledge of, of what to do to be able to get that, that, that you know, that BHAG, that big, hairy, audacious goal. And, and all of those have solutions. The easiest one is the third one. There are so many people out there that can help you, you know, whether it's business coaches or investors or colleagues or, or psychologists or, you know, that there's a lot out there um, to be able to access that knowledge. And 
overcoming the fear is, is about understanding how to manage risk. And that's, again, something that you can learn. So there is no stopping if someone really wants to do that. Um, it's just finding the right resources to be able to uh, to get it. What, what something can't replace, what a coach can't replace, what an investor can't replace, is your want to put effort mm. into something. That is something that is entirely up to you. The passion and drive inside, eh? That's hard well, work. Uh, <laughs> well, it's true, though, isn't it, that nothing great worth achieving comes without a cost. Yeah. And I think that's, I think, if, you know, for me, for easily for 40 years, that was always the, you know, I, could I really be bothered to be the best that I could be? Um, and, and, you know, it, it, through a conversation that we had, I decided to, you know, pick myself up and try. And um, what's your hopes for those who read the book? So if somebody's going to go in and they're going to go into a gender bookshop and they see your gorgeous, handsome face on the front cover of A Million Steps, they pick it up, they take it home. What are you hoping that they will achieve on a sliding scale? No, I think what I would hope they would achieve is a spark in curiosity, the thing that drives me. You know, I wonder. And, and if they read the book and go, hmm, actually, you know what? There's a number of things I, I can think about that I'd like to achieve and and maybe some of these insights might be useful in helping me getting there. The book will not substitute the effort and 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 the passion that you need to bring from inside. Um, but it might give you some insight onto how you might want uh, to go about achieving your big goal. Cool. I, you know, I love the way you say it. you're not going to actually answer every single question. You're not going to get up tomorrow, read the book and suddenly you're a millionaire, but it might give you the motivation to 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 make the effort to get there. I've been talking to a lot of um, executives over the last couple of months uh, and talking about this uh, and, and important people about this and what's happening right now. And one of, and you just touched on it, and I just want to get your, your, your final question to get your feedback on this. A lot of people who are achieving have seen that this is a terrible time. This is a heartbreaking time for a lot of people, but it is also a time of opportunity. And that's not to lessen the pain that a lot of people are going through, but it is that you either step up and you find the opportunity and move forward or you accept what's going on it drives you rather you the rather than you driving yourself would you say that that's the approach right now that, that it would be right for the pandemic is to to really see the opportunities i think from a from a leadership perspective yes um but it was there are obviously industry related uh, questions to be asked so you know if you are in the digital transformation industry then you don't have a problem um, so you may be sort of gung-ho about things and let's keep moving and uh, growing and investing. Whereas if you're moving from retail or, or hospitality, you, you need to think things differently and see whether this is something that you can weather uh, and lie low. So there is a value in lying mm. low and consolidating. I think that's, you know, people dismiss that as, you know, I don't know, being chicken or whatever, but it's absolutely not. You know, weathering the storm is sometimes going down and, and you know, closing the hatch and waiting. And, and that takes guts, that takes guts too. Uh, but it's also about planning, yeah? So if you need to wait, that's fine, but don't just wait idly. Plan about what's next. Uh, and that way you're using your time proactively. If you're not growing or doing new things or coming out and, and you know, pushing forwards because you can't, because it's not the right time yet, use the time to plan wisely. Um, listen, Nathan, it's been amazing to talk to you. It, it always is and always very inspirational. Um, we've seen you uh, run businesses. We've seen you run countries. We've seen you write a book. 
do we have are you going to be releasing a single next what is next <laughs> what's next for nathan perugia no i i think it's really helping my clients at this point through the difficult times they may be going through because of the the pandemic and the economic situation that will derive from that and we haven't seen the worst of it from an economic perspective yet so i think it's really sort of knuckling down and, and doing the hard work and the hard grind helping helping our, our business clients to to overcome this through vistage and, and through other um work that we do so uh, you know but also at the same time i think there is a lot of hope and we're seeing from the confidence indexes that we run uh, surveying Maltese uh, CEOs and business owners that there is a lot of positivity around going forwards and coming out of this. So, so I think, you know, it's 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 um, it's going to be tough, but I think that the, the mindset is right. Yeah, people are want want to get it sorted and want to move on. Nathan, thank you so much for today. Thank you again for for coming and and sharing your thoughts. And also, I'm very very excited about the book. Once again, it's a million steps. It's from Agenda Bookshop and got a lovely picture of your face on it. <laughs> that I might turn them around so that more people <laughs> will buy it. <laughs> Congratulations on it, and thank you very much indeed. Thank you. Thank you.